Spoken Word, half an hour of poetry and performance, your connection to Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene, the voice of those of us who have nothing but our voices. Tonight, all new. Tonight, all new. Tonight, all new. All new. 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 Don't get out of your chair. Don't go out to get a snack. Don't go out to go to the toilet. Stay with us. Stay with us. You can't afford to miss it. Can't afford to take your eyes off it. It's everything you want and it's got everything you need. It's going to be hot, hot, hot. Stay with us. Stay with us. So you think you can dance? Well, dance, dance, dance round my whole mouth clean, 360 degrees. Smile for the camera with that extra tasty cheese. Oh, what a feeling. Tonight, all new, all new, new, news, news update. Brought to you by the new action movie, Try Hard 4. Leading the headlines tonight, you guessed it, the supercharged, high-tension, thrill-filled, roller-coaster public release of action-packed, packed action movie, Try Hard 4. This is not an advertisement. This is news. This is news. This is news. 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 These are news. New news. Newer news. It's the newest news in town. That was news. Whether home or away, the black current affair, balanced loser, big loser, the bigger the loser, the 7, 9, 10, biggest loser, stay with us, stay with us. $39,999.99 drive away. But don't drive away right now, stay with us, stay with us. Stay glued to your seat, to your set seat set where the good times start. Tonight, all new, all new, new news, news update. Brought to you by the new action ad for the new action movie, Try Hard 4. Leading the headlines tonight, would you believe... The casting of Ray Martin in the lead role for the new action ad for the new action movie Try Hard 4. And we're crossing live to Ray's secret, unlisted, very, very private residence to break the good news to him. Hi, Ray. We're just here to tell you... Piss off. But look, Ray, it's me, Rove. You know, your old mate Rover, hey? Oh, sorry, mate. I thought you were Media Watch. So what can I do for a decent Aussie bloke like you? Am I on This Is Your Life? No, Ray, this is extra talk and text with your favourite nobodies. It's not who you do it with, it's the fact that you just do it. Talk and text, talk and text, talk and text with nobodies. And send the muller to prepaidnobodies.com. Stay with us, stay with us, stay with us. No, 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 no. Don't answer the phone, don't answer the phone. Stay with us, stay with us, stay with us. It's going to be hot, hot, hot. Don't answer that phone. Hello? Good evening. This is Brad from another telecommunications conglomerate. Are you having a good night so far? Groovy. Just ring in to check if you'd like to check out our irresistible new deal on cable telly tonight. It's going to be so hot, 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 you'll want to stay with us, stay with us, stay with us tonight. It's all new tonight, all new to take advantage of this once-in-a-lifetime offer. Just grunt during one of my microsecond breaths. Thank you. Congratulations. We'll be round to install your new cable telly unit the moment you get back to your set seat set. Ciao. I am Santo Katsati. And despite what you've just been hearing for the last few minutes, this is not yucky commercial media. Yes, you are on Community Radio 3CR with all our down-home production methods and easy-going charm. And this is the Spoken Word Program. What you have just heard was my performance piece and satirisation of commercial media, telly and phone talk. I perform that piece often in poetry gigs and poetry slams around the place. Most of us first encounter poetry in its written form at school or the local children's library, with the exception of those really talented teachers who bring it to life for us in the classroom. Poetry mostly comes down to us in a rather musty and unimaginative form. One way it can come to life is to be read aloud. When you do that, the sound of the words, the rhythms, the breaths, the phrases, the structure, the emotions of a poem can emerge. Not everyone has an interesting reading voice, but when you get up 
on the open mic at Poetry Gigs to Read, you do start to think about what a poem sounds like, how you can keep your listeners' attention, how you can move them, convince them even. I think this is what the ancient Greeks meant by that word which has become a bit of a nasty in modern times, rhetoric. Long before the invention of the printing press for mass distribution of books, there was a strong tradition of oral poetry. You listened to, rather than read, poetry. Poems were memorised and handed down uh, and performed from generation to generation. You could really talk to each other with poetry. As much as I appreciate and enjoy that special relationship with a poem that I can have as I read it in my head from a book when I'm by myself, there does seem something exciting and social about getting out there, meeting people, listening to their poems, reading to them, the physicality of all that hot breath in a poetry gig in some pub or back room. I've enjoyed discovering people on Melbourne's grassroots poetry scene who have developed their voices in strikingly individual ways and I mean the sound of their voices. Here's an example. Becca Kellaway is a remarkable vocal artist with a keen taste for the ridiculous, the nonsensical, the crazy things we come across in day-to-day life, if only we stopped and thought about it. This is her impression of a visit to a well-known Swish furniture retailer. The Ikea. Ikea. Ikea I didn't say that It must have been the Swedish meatballs Ikea Ikea Everything is for sale Everything I'm stealing through someone's wallless house Ikea Ikea Like the yellow bag, buy a blue one Ikea Ikea Mass produced Oil paintings, identical, nameless. The Swedish robots created them. Ikea, Ikea. The Ikea gods watch me recycle, rethink, reduce. As is, as is, as is. Ikea. Ikea Wicker It's all made from wicker The tattooed horses laugh It's the wicker talking Ikea Ikea Calm down We make creating a calm Torpid living easy. Trust us. Ikea. Ikea. The appliances stare me out. The toaster gnashes its teeth. The chase assaults me. Ikea. Ikea. 
a portal to the outside world, but I am not Alice. I am too tall. No exit. Ikea. No exit. Ikea. Ikea. Their boats were small. They built their houses small. It must have been the meatballs. I've taken a wrong turn. I am being Ikea. I am Ikea. It is me they call. No exit. Welcome to Ikea. That was Becca Kellaway. You're on 3CR, and this is the spoken word program, I am Santo Katsati. And now, I'd like to introduce my guest on today's program, Michael Reynolds. Michael is someone who has been on the Melbourne poetry scene for a decade, convener of long-running poetry gig Passionate Tongues, passionate supporter of poets other than himself, passionate chronicler of the scene as tireless photographer, passionate poet himself, and generally trustworthy nice guy. He must be so self-effacing that I couldn't find one of those promotional artist biographies about him to read here, so I made all that up based on my own impressions of him. Welcome to 3CR Spoken Word, Michael. Hello, Santo. (laughs) Thanks for having me here. (laughs) Absolutely. Anyway, as I uh, mentioned, you are the uh, convener of Passionate Tongues, which just very recently celebrated its 10th anniversary. I'd say a lot of our listeners don't actually know what happens at poetry gigs. Could you tell us what happens at a typical Passionate Tongues gig? Oh, typical Passionate Tongues gig. I I really don't know if there's such a thing as a typical Passionate Tongues gig. Uh, Something happens different each time, but um, one thing that does happen all the time is um, when it's time to start, which is around about 8.30, there's about six people there and people start wandering in at about 10 minutes later, so we're always starting about 15 minutes late, but... I don't really like to um, tell people that when I'm telling them to come along at 8.30. Adelaide Um, time. Adelaide time, yes. 8.30 Adelaide time. (laughs) And when things start to happen when people are in, what can people expect when they walk in? First thing that happens, there's a few open stage readers. Anyone who wants to um, do uh, do their thing on the stage puts their name on a list. First four or five get to go first. And then there's, uh, there's one or two featured readers who have got about half an hour each to um, do their stuff and I try to get people who will um, inspire the audience to um, improve their own poetry or, or become inspired or, or basically be entertained. Mood. Mm. Yes. And uh, after that? After that, well, the rest of the open stage and um, we have people coming in off the street probably until about 11 o'clock you know in a more or less constant stream to uh to get their um stuff um out on the stage and 11 if not later i've known some gigs to finish uh, very very late indeed around midnight because so many people wanted to have a go and some of the most interesting artists do yes. come on late don't yes. they yes and it's amazing how many people hang around to hear it all too i'm so, yeah i'm constantly surprised by it all I think it's um, almost a cult following to actually turn up to Passionate (laughs) Tongues late to hear the really, really weird stuff, the interesting stuff. Um, Were you there at the start 10 years ago? No, no. I was there um, several months after Passionate Tongues started. The only gigs I'd ever had any experience with were uh, the Dan O'Connell and one over at the Builder's Arms on a Sunday afternoon. I saw Passionate Tongues advertised in The Age and um, I went along because it was um, only five minutes walk from my house. The first time I was there um, I walked into the um, Cornish Arms Hotel, um, it was the rainbow then, and there was no one there. Uh, there was a poetry reading across town that I didn't know about that everyone had gone to 
and um, eventually two people wandered in. It was the stand-in MC plus the uh, plus the featured reader, and the host said to the um, to the performer, "Well, there's no one here. Let's call it off." And uh, Ken Smeaton was the um, featured performer. He pointed at me and said, "He came to listen. I'm going to read to him." <laughs> and that that was uh, that was quite an impression when uh, when I was just virtually starting out as a um, as a writer and a and a listener. Very grassroots poetry. experience, isn't it? It was, yeah, yes, very yes. much so. I think we might listen to some poetry of yours, mm-hmm. Michael, if we could. Okay, uh, this this one's called Tautologically Speaking. I am a tautologist. I frequently more often than not, use way too many unnecessary words in a superfluously verbose manner, when I really don't have to, usually. Those who are crisp and concise have the distinction of running the risk of being in serious danger of actively considering the implementation of an absolute abundance of to-the-point economy of language. If less means more, why is minimalist such a long word? We need longer words. Take abbreviation, for instance. What an attractively outstretched word. So why cut abbreviation abbreviation to a brr? Conspiracy theorists also ask, why does monosyllabic have five syllables? Why spell phonetic with a ph? And why is there no anagram for anagram, except anagram? It is unfair in these days of equality that essential is an adjective, but adjectives are not considered essential. Remember that understatement is disastrously fatal to words like critical, serious, grave, extreme, paramount and whopping. Every conversation should contain at least one whopping and a few reallys to help cut back rampant minimalism. Michael, um, how would you describe the, uh, your own style as a poet? I really think that I'm still trying to um, develop my own style. Um, I've got such a... Um, I, I, I can't really decide on uh, from day to day what kind of thing I'm going to put down on um, on the page. So I, I, would, I would say, or well, if I tried one word, I'd say eclectic. When, when you began writing... Um, do you think that you had some kind of very definite style or did you feel like very experimental at that time? Oh, I was, uh, I, I, I reckon I was just writing doggerel at first, <laughs> just <laughs> rhyming, rhyming couplets with sickly sweet personal stories of teenage loss at the age of um, 35. <laughs> so I don't know, I don't even know how I, um, how I even read any of them on the open stage without getting strangled by someone. But anyway, they let me do it. And <laughs> we have to start somewhere um, yes. <laughs> and at whatever age, because that's, that's the important thing to bear in mind. Uh, this is what the grassroots poetry scene does for so many people is that, that you don't have to be a prodigy. We can come to it at any time uh, in our life and uh, because of the open stage we can develop some kind of style uh, which um, we have the freedom to actually do. Um, do you think that it has refined over the years, your poetry writing style? Yeah, I, I believe so. Um, I mean, if it's, it's not doggerel anymore, it probably has refined. <laughs> um, it's it's quite funny. Uh, you, you, you write uh, you, you, you write 
free verse or whatever you'd like to call that and um, you, you find it you find it flows somehow and you go back over it and you see you, you see different uh, different structures within the within the lines that you say oh did I just do that and so it's it seems almost accidental but it's also very worked on at the same time maybe um, you have an example of this for us yes yes um, I I wrote one uh, which was uh, inspired by seeing a photograph of a chair sitting on a uh, on a forest path, and it just developed its own um, just developed its own rhythm and um, and half rhymes, uh, which I really only discovered in it after I um, after I read it back to myself. But this one this one's called "Upon Finding a Chair in the Forest." There is nobody else around, but you look about, for here is proof somebody has been before. Curiosity and amusement draw you to the metal and plastic chair, placed there by no one for everyone. And you think of the crowded train, the one seat remaining surely not for you. But your quick search confirms who the chair is for. It is yours, but only if you feel comfortable. That was Michael Reynolds. You're on 3CR and this is the Spoken Word Programme. Well, I was wondering, Michael, we've um, been listening to you reading your poetry on the Spoken Word program. This is a program of spoken word. I'm just wondering, though, because there is something of uh, a debate in, in the scene as to whether poetry really is something that uh, is to be spoken out aloud, it is spoken word, or whether it works much better on the page as this personal thing that you read in your mind. Uh, do you think what you produce is more spoken word or more on the page or both, or sometimes one and sometimes the other? I'd say sometimes one and sometimes the other. Uh, a lot of the time I would uh, write something for the page for someone someone to read for themselves off the page. And Shelton Lee um, told me once that the best editing tool is your own voice. You read it back to yourself out loud, and if you stumble on a line, you need to change the line. Um, so even when you are writing for the page, it's almost as if uh, you're imagining the reader is, li- uh, is speaking the words out in their mind. And so, so even in some kind of abstract sense, there is uh, a, a feeling that um, this really is something that is allowed, isn't there? Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, for, for example, someone, someone might pick up one of my pieces and, and they, look, they look for a rhythm in the, in the work and uh, they say, oh, why, why, is this, why is this line longer than, than that one? And so you read it out to them and they go, oh, okay, I see, the, I, I, I see it. So there, there, are, there are rhythms you can pick up with your, um, with your voice that you might not be able to see first up. Mm, it becomes immediately obvious, yeah. Mm. Who has inspired you on the scene? And, and I'd I like to put this question to you in two parts, like um, who's inspired you on the page? And then afterwards I'm going to ask you who's inspired you in terms of performance poetry. Mm. Um, on the page, I would say, uh, and, and this crosses over with um, people I've heard too, they've, they've inspired me both um, uh, through performance of their own poetry and uh, and through reading their work but locally I'd say people like um, Andy Jackson, Tim Hamilton, Cam Black, even even uh, Steve Smart who many people consider a um, performance poet but 
rocks, his, his little um, zines and things that he's produced. Um, it's got some uh, really magic stuff in it on the page. Um, Shelton Lee, Eric Beach, Kristen Henry, and, of course, um, Alex Scovran and Dominique Heck. I absolutely adore their work. Is there Both. something in, in these poets that, um, uh, when you're reading them, that you're actually looking for that really strikes you as uh, something that works on the page? I like, I like these people for, uh, for many, many different reasons. For instance, Alex Govran uh, writes so beautifully in form, but it looks like accidental form. Everything seems to, um, to fit his, his lines. He, 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 writes, uh, he might write a... a oh, I'd, I can't give you any particular example, but he can, he can write a uh, villanelle and at the end of it, uh, you don't have the... Um, you're not just simply left with the message, I can write a villanelle. You've, you actually remember the lines in the poem. That's um, and really subordinating the form and the virtuosity of technique to that's expression. That's exactly isn't right. It? Yes. Um, he does that. He does do that brilliantly. Yes, and well, Dominique Dominique Heck um, is another one who will probably not so obvious on the page, but to listen to her reading it out, the way that she will accentuate certain words will make you think about all the different meanings of that word and the context that she's. Um, putting it in and, and just make you think completely different about entire lines. And when I've heard her reading aloud, that's exactly the impression that I get, that, that a, a single word could almost be like a pivot and could mean what it meant in the context of what came before, could mean something else in the context of what came after. Even even a yeah. syllable. Yes, that's in, right. Within the word. That's yes. right. And how you, know, you weight it with your voice. Uh, and that does very much cross over with you know, performers who might have inspired you? Do, are there, like, any special memories of actual live poetry performances that really stand out for you these last ten years? Individual performances? Um, uh, yeah, there's, there, there are lots of them, but there's, there, there's a couple that really, really stand out. There's a, uh, someone, someone who really doesn't, uh, isn't, isn't known so much as a poet, but he recited a Sylvia Plath poem probably a most famous one, Daddy. Um, that was at um, the Barleycorn Hotel probably about eight or nine years ago. His name's Michael War. He sang with a group called St Vitus. And um, just thinking about that one performance of Daddy just still gives me shivers. It it's was just brilliant. frightening poem. What, what did he do to make it so amazing and so riveting? He became Sylvia Plath as he, <laughs> as, as, as he, as, as he performed it. That's it was. It's an. It's an amazing. A male voice a doing "Daddy." You would think, yes. oh, it doesn't work." But he was just amazing enough to make it work. The other. The other one that really, really stands out is um, Adrian Rawlins uh, when he performed at Passionate Tongues at the Retreat Hotel. I think he might have been aware that it was his swan song because um, it was only. It was only about a month or so before he passed away. And he um, he performed with a couple of jazz musicians backing him, and that was that was just something special, really really nice. Right, and um, well, you're someone who's been there all this time to be able to hear these great performances. Well, anyway, just before we finish off, um, I'd love to hear one more poem from you, if you could drag one out. Um, yeah, something something different to the other two. This this is my uh, this is my take on John Lennon. 
It's called Monkeys Spread Fleas, But Who is Spreading the Monkeys? Somebody gave me an imaginary monkey. It's not as imaginary as I had imagined. It said, Imagine there is no heaven. I said John Lennon imagined that already. He said that was his imaginary name. I didn't believe him. Told him as a dreamer. He said, I'm not the only one. There are nine of us. And we're not dreaming of the past. Just jealous guys do that. The naughty one's called Chris. I said, so, this is Chris. And what has he done? He taught his fleas to say, give fleas a chance. I said, is that all they are saying? He became instantly calmer. Said he's going to get me. Going to get me through the night. He'll be playing mind games forever. Nobody told me there'd be days like these. That was Michael Reynolds. Thank you so much, Michael, for coming in and helping me out on my first program and sharing your thoughts and poetry with us. I ought to come up with a little kitsch memento that all guests take away with them, like a 3CR spoken word tea towel or spoon or a roll of toilet paper or something. Who knows, when we become the premier spoken word program in Australia, such items may become coveted collector's pieces. Anyhow, Michael Reynolds' gig, Passionate Tongues, takes place every second Monday night, 8.30, at Brunswick Hotel, Sydney Road, Brunswick, corner Western Street, near Jewel Station. Let's have another slice of madness from Becca Kellaway. Oh no, said the fat controller. Connex makes me want to kill people indiscriminately, slowly, gruesomely. Connex makes me want to kill people. It makes me want to massacre babies in the woods, stab out their little hearts and drink their blood, then wear the wasted shreds of their mutilated bodies as armbands and float in their tears. Connex makes me want to kill people. It makes me want to plant landmines in primary schools, force feed everyone McDonald's. Connex makes me want to kill people. Anyone, anyway. No amount of classical music can stop me. Connex makes me want to kill people. I want to feel their blood beneath my fingernails. I want to hear their screams sawn in half by an amethyst chainsaw. Connex makes me want to kill people. And it can't be just me. There must be others out there. Great murderous throngs of them. I am no longer safe. I don't go to the train stations anymore. I don't try to read timetables anymore. Connex makes me want to kill people. Now I sit at home, alone, jabbering in the corner to myself. Reruns of Thomas the Tank Engine nebulise my brain. Safe at last until I remember Connex makes me want to kill people. But I am the only person here. What a shame, because Connex really makes me want to kill people. That was the irrepressible Becca Kellaway. And this is 3CR Spoken Word. Well, we've come to the end of the program. We're on every Thursday morning, 9 to 9.30. I know it's a long time before you get your next fix of Spoken Word, but there are many live poetry gigs happening in Melbourne. All right, that's it for 3CR Spoken Word this week. Until next time, this is Santo Katsati signing off and shutting down. 
Listeners worldwide can now listen to 3CR by web streaming from a computer anywhere around the globe. Web streaming means that 3CR's real-time broadcast can now be sourced from a computer as well as a radio. Listening to 3CR through your computer is most useful if your area receives poor AM radio reception, if you're travelling or living away from Melbourne, or you want to listen to 3CR but aren't near a radio. Go to 3cr.org.au to find out how you can listen to 3CR online.